Hi, this is Nathan. My passion is to provide Christ-centered Bible teaching and resources that glorifies God and will encourage and equip you to grow spiritually and live a Christ-centered life. If you would like more resources to help you understand the Word of God and cultivate a passionate love for Jesus that turns the world upside down, please visit deeperchristian.com. Now, grab your Bible as we dive into this message from God's Word. Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, again, we're walking through this idea of the mind of a believer. And uh, we've been walking through verses 4 down through verse 9 of chapter 4. <clears throat> and uh, we're beginning to center on verse 8, which we're going to be in for a while. Uh, but really excited about looking at each of these whatevers with you. Uh, so again, I just want to just read the whole flow and the tone just so you can get the heart of what Paul is saying in the passage. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, uh, join me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now look at verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As for the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Uh, last time we were getting into verse 8 and looking at this idea of whatever. And again, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word whatever. Uh, but even in the Greek, the, the word whatever is not a negative term. It's not a, limit, it's not a limiting term. Uh, the word even in the Greek is a positive term. It has this idea of uh, limitless, has this idea of vision, has this idea of, hey, you can do whatever you want within the boundaries. And so it's all about freedom. It's all about choice. It's all about, hey, just go crazy in this idea. Isn't that a wonderful thought when you look at like the fruits of the Spirit? Right? Paul in Galatians says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things, there is no law. There's no limit to these things. No one's going to come up to you and say, you know what? You've been far too loving. Could you hate me? You've been way too patient. Will you just get irritated? You are way too joyful. I have heard that once. But hey, you are way too joyful. Wouldn't it be neat if there is no limit to these kind of things? Think about what Paul is saying in our passage here. He's saying that you can think about whatever you want in these boundaries. This is not a limitation. This is freeing, freeing you up. Hey, you do not have to think on fear. You do not have to live in worry. You do not have to live in the, the pride and the selfishness and just the of life. That you can actually live in this freedom of thought in your mind. So this should be exciting. This should, man, make you bounce up and down. This should at least put a smile on some of your faces. I mean, this, this is exciting stuff. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I found this yesterday. I thought it was really neat. 
uh, one of the Greek dictionaries defines that term, whatever, as, as much as. Isn't that a cool thought? Have as much of it as you want. Truth, go crazy. Purity, just go nuts. Honor, yeah, just go take it all. All that is praiseworthy, just think about it till, till, till no end. In fact, that word, as much as, or whatever, is used in something that you would know really well. Food. Uh, John chapter 6, Jesus shows up and he, he's about to feed the 5,000. And so he takes the loaves and he takes the fishes and listen to this passage. This is awesome. John 6, 11. Jesus then took the loaves and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were reclining, likewise also the fish, as much as they wanted. That is every man's new favorite verse. There was no limit to how much food they could eat. This was like Golden Corral first century. Now, it's probably been probably over a decade since I've been to such a place, but I remember going into such a place and I walk in and I go, oh, what can I eat? And they look at you and they say, whatever. Well, what's my limit? There is none. It's just your capacity. And I'm like, I've been working on my capacity. <laughs> so, I mean, I've got a lot of whatever. And so, hey, you just spend all afternoon, and what are you doing? You are whatevering. <laughs> and you are just eating as much as feasibly possible. Why? Because for those prices, you better eat a lot. <laughs> and of course, you don't just go for one dessert. You go for as much as dessert. Don't look at me this. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, I have no idea. I go for salad. It's not true. You don't go there for salad. Uh, one, one author said it this way about this idea of whatever, that the word is a visionary word used to expand the possibilities and broaden the horizons. That's beautiful. That as you come to this passage, again, this is not a limitation thing. This isn't a, well, you're telling me that I'm limited to what I can think about? No, it's actually quite the opposite. We are freeing you up to think about all the stuff that you can think about. Yeah, but there's some things that are not on that list. I know, but why would you want to think about that stuff anyway? Why would you, think of, why would you want to think of lies and impurity and stuff that's full of junk? So we are actually freeing you up to think about as much as you want of this stuff. That's exciting. Uh, starting in the next session, which will be next week, and I encourage you, if you want to be joining me with the study, uh, we're going to look at the first of the whatevers. We're going to look at this idea of that which is true or truth. And I want to encourage you to begin to ponder it and saturate in it and just what does it mean to think upon that which is true? Uh, but for the time that we have this morning, I, I want to go down and basically pick up the very end of the verse because Paul is creating this kind of a structure in the passage and we really need to start with the end of the passage in order to understand what we're going to be walking through. So Paul again says, finally, brothers and sisters, and he gives the list of eight things. So he gives the, the list of the eight, and then he says to think about these things. 
that these are the things that your mind is to be upon. Uh, these are the things that you should be centered on. These are the things. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that the human mind will always think upon something? Usually. For at least a couple of us. And in other words, there's actually not a time when your mind's not working. You could, you could be in one of those brain-dead times, and you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, you're mowing the lawn, you're taking a shower, and you're just kind of like, hey, hey, hey. you're just kind of out, kind of not doing much thinking, per se, perhaps. But even then, your mind is dwelling upon something. In other words, there's not an option for you not to dwell on something. So the issue is not, well, am I going to think on stuff, or am I not going to think on stuff? The real issue is, what am I going to put my mind upon? And if we are not intentional with that which we put our minds upon, then we will just be reactionary to everything that just tries to come into our mind. So Paul then is given this emphasis of, hey, I want you to be intentional and begin to ponder and press these specific things. Don't just have an open door, as we talked about last time. Don't just have an open window to any thought that wants to come into your life. I want you to be intentional and specific, and I want you to be focused in one specific arena. Whatever's on this list, just go crazy. As much as you want, you can think on those things. Now, <clears throat> we mentioned this really briefly last time, but that word, think, uh, some translations say dwell, uh, some, tr some translations say meditate, on these things, that particular word is our word, legizomai. And if you are astute, you'll go, I think I've heard that word before. And it's that word that is used in Romans chapter 6, verse 11. And of course, around here, we've been going through this over and over and over again. But in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, Paul says that you are to reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That we are to reckon ourselves. And again, it's an accounting term. Uh, so I've been wrestling through, okay, how, how can I make this grippable? Because I hear the word reckon, I don't use that word. I mean, I use the word here because Paul uses the word and, you know, we just make it an Ellerslie term. But reckon, it, it's not a typical term we use. Uh, I did take accounting, but I tried to forget most of that stuff. And so that's not really helpful to me either. So let me help you flesh this out as much as possible and try to bring it down to at least my level, <laughs> which is quite pedestrian. So if you want to think scholarly, by all means, do so. But let me, let me try to help us understand this idea. So when Paul says to think or to reckon these things in your life, what does he actually mean by that idea? I want, again, when you look at that word, legizomai, let me give you some definitions, which may help us. Has this idea of to consider or to be convinced. So that was really neat. It's to evaluate, to think upon something, to reckon, to meditate, to dwell, to focus the mind on. I really like this one. To fill up your mind with something. What is Paul telling you to do? Fill up your mind with truth. Fill up your mind with that which is right. Fill up your mind with purity. Fill up your mind, which, which tells you what? If your mind is being filled with truth, there is no room for a lie. If your mind is being filled up with purity, there is no room for impurity. If your mind is, are you getting this? Wouldn't it be neat if that was true in your life? And whatever thought process you were just 
bringing along in your life, somehow there just wasn't room for it anymore. It was being pressed out by the reality of that which you were intentionally setting your minds upon. That's kind of the idea. Now that word, legizomai, shows up 42 times in the New Testament, and I find it rather interesting that 34 of those times, Paul uses the word. In other words, this is like a major term for Paul. Yeah, yeah, a few of the other writers use it, sort of, but this is like, Paul's like, this is my word. Isn't that fun? And again, just for emphasis here, uh, we live in a culture that's all about uh, motivation. Uh, we live in a culture that's all about the power of positive thinking. Uh, we, you know, we, ha- we live in this culture of uh, fake it till you make it. You know, stand in front of the mirror, smile, quote these mantras. That's not this. This idea is about removing, allowing God to remove the old and filling up your mind with that which is on this list. So let me give you really quickly three ideas when it comes to this idea of thinking or dwelling or reckoning or legizomain, which is not a word. One, you need to realize that we're talking about more than thinking. It is a thinking that leads or is driven to practical action. In other words, what Paul is talking about here is not just, hey, we're talking about your brain and your mind. Yeah, sort of. But it goes far beyond that because this idea, this word has, yes, it starts in the mind, but it literally drives you to practical action. Does that make any sense? Uh, The idea with legizomai in the passage or the reckon or the think is this idea of to keep putting into practice these things. Yeah, it is to fill up your mind, but as it fills up your mind, it is then to be in your actions. In other words, reflect and consider on these things to the point where it changes your conduct. So again, it's more than a head thing. This is a whole life kind of a thing. So let me give you an example. I wrote just three of these down really quick. Focus your mind on the truth and put truth into action in your life. Consider and meditate that which is honorable, but then live with honor. It's filling up your mind with purity and then also living a pure and upright life. What good is it to to fill your mind with purity, but then still live an impure life? What good is it to fill your mind with truth, but then still be lost in in lies and deception? See, that, that is not to be. We are Christians. And so you need to realize that, that what Paul is talking about here in the passage is that there's a filling up of your mind that you're dwelling and focusing upon these things. Why? So that actually shifts and changes your character and your conduct. Again, another idea is, again, it not just transforms the mind. So it's not just a transformation of the mind. It's a transformation of the entire life. Again, it's this whole living kind of a thing. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I know you know this, but Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies. It's talking about a full, whole individual. Present your entire self as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Isn't it interesting that a transformed life begins with a transformed mind? That if you want your life to be transformed 
It needs to start here. And why is that? Well, it's because there's, a, there's this third idea with this idea of thinking. Thinking drives your actions and your emotions. And I, and I know that they're sort of correlated. In other words, our emotions affect our thinking. I do believe that. Our actions affect our thinking. I, hey, I understand that. But most of the time, our actions and our emotions are the outflow of our thinking, but then our thinking is reinforced by those emotions and actions. Ah, uh, you have this misconception. And surely this has never happened to you. But you look at somebody and they seem ticked off at you. And so you're like, ooh, they're ticked off at me. So what do you do? You respond as if they're ticked off at you, which means you pull back, you put up a wall, and then they presume that now you're doing something because they're tick, you're ticked off at them. And so what do they do? They pull back and they put up a wall and you're like, see, I just told you. They're becoming defensive. And so you put up stronger walls. Finally, you know, after some period of time, you, what is the problem? And of course they look at you like, no, what is your problem? And then you realize there is no problem. You just had this weird thought one day that they had like sniffled and it looked like their nose went up and their eyes went down and you're like, they're angry at me. And so you respond and they responded and, and surely that's never happened to you. But isn't it interesting how, how much our thinking drives our actions? Our thinking drives our emotions. You, you start to, you, you turn within your mind and you start to dwell upon something from the past or something that just happened recently or, or you begin to forebode about the future. And you, you know what foreboding is, right? It, it's actually fortune telling. It is you looking into the future and you are trying to fortune tell your future. By the way, that's a problem biblically. And so you start to look at the future and you begin to have fear and worry and concern. Why? Because you actually don't trust in our God. And so you start to say, well, what if this happens? And then what if this happens? And what if that happens? And, and suddenly that begins to affect your emotions and, and it starts to shut you down and it starts to... So a lot of this just begins in the mind. Uh, there's that great statement and I try to figure out who it came from. Some say Stephen Covey, who, some say who knows. But here, here's the quote. I just thought this was interesting. Sow a thought, like plant a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. Sow a character, you reap a destiny. In other words, what starts in your mind filters down through, it affects your emotions, affects your actions. No wonder Paul says, think on these things. And the reasoning is, is he's, he's wanting to set up a guard upon your mind that says, hey, would you fill up your mind with that which is right and true and pure and honorable and praiseworthy and excellent? And would you just, would you so fill your mind with these things that there is no more room for the other stuff? And wouldn't it be interesting if this list not only filled up your mind, but began to drive how you acted drove how you spoke and responded. Wouldn't it be interesting if the emotions of your life began to come into alignment with that which is on this list? Is that even possible? And if it is, don't you want it? Uh, also interesting in this idea of think or dwell upon, I don't think he's merely talking about the present. He's not just saying in, in your present moment, think on these things. 
I think he's also talking about when we dwell upon our past. See, most of us look to our past and, and we see our past in all the problems, all the deception, all the sin, all the muck, all the mire, all the junk. And it's not that that stuff can go away because that, that's part of our past. That's our, that's our history. But wouldn't it be interesting then rather than being frustrated by so-and-so who did such-and-such and that one time, wouldn't it be interesting rather than just getting overwhelmed by the sin and, and the corruption and the impurity and the whatever of your past, wouldn't it be interesting if this list determined how you think about your past? Uh, as we get into the, each of these things, it's interesting every single one of these find their fulfillment in Jesus. And what most of us tend to do is we look at our past not in light of Jesus and the cross. We look at our past in light of our past. And I don't think there's anything wrong about looking at our past so long as it is guarded and what you are dwelling upon in, of your past is that which is good and praiseworthy and true and honorable and upright. And of course you could say, well, Nathan, there's not much in my past that's true and good and upright and praiseworthy. But you do have a God. And your God has taken the cross and planted in your past. And wouldn't it be amazing if you're going to talk about your past, it's not about the problems of the past, it's about the goodness of God in your past. It's about the fact that he has saved you from all this stuff. It's the fact that the cross is effective and has changed you and you're no longer like this of your past. Wouldn't it be a need if, if the past didn't have this, a stranglehold on your life, but you saw your past in light of Jesus? That you, you saw your past in light of the cross? And if you were going to talk to somebody about, yeah, look at all my sin and, and all, all the problems that happened. And, and, you know, hey, my dad dropped me on my head twice when I was a kid. And, and I mean, I have all these issues that have affected my life. Rather than seeing yourself as a victim and rather seeing and highlighting the sin, wouldn't it be amazing if you highlighted the goodness of God in the midst of your past? Well, I wasn't even a Christian. He was still there banging on your forehead. And even if you were lost in the darkest of dark you realize his light still shines in the midst of that. And your past can actually be a testimony of his goodness when you dwell upon him in light of your past. Does that make any sense to you? So can I encourage you, as we look at this list, don't just see this as, a, okay, it's, it's a, at this moment, this is how I'm to think. That is true. But this is, it, even if I'm thinking about the future, even if I'm thinking of the present, even if I'm thinking of the past, all of it needs to be seen in the light of Jesus and the cross. See, what if I didn't have to fear the future? Why? Because I trusted him, and I'm going to ponder the future in light of that which is true, and that which is honorable, and that which is right, and that which is pure. And Let me give you one other idea. You realize that there is a principle of life which is whatever you focus on, whatever you dwell on, whatever you meditate, that grows bigger and stronger in your life. That whatever you focus on, that, that which you set your mind on, grows bigger and stronger in your life.
uh, you're driving down the road and, and, you, and you see this billboard that probably shouldn't be there. And what's interesting is, as most of us immediately try not to think of the billboard. And so we do that dumb response where it's like, don't think about the billboard. Don't think about the billboard. Don't think about the billboard. Stop thinking about the billboard. Stop thinking about the billboard. What are you doing? Thinking about the billboard. Uh, For example, if I said for the next 10 seconds, you can think of anything you want except for a pink elephant. So no pink elephants. Stop thinking about pink elephants. You can think about anything you want, but no pink elephants. Stop thinking about pink elephants. Pink elephants. Pink elephants. No more pink elephants. What are you thinking of? A pink elephant. Isn't that dumb? And you realize that if you want your intimacy and relationship with Jesus to grow, do you know what it demands of you? Focus. Set your mind upon him. Because whatever you focus on grows bigger and stronger in your life. Most of us, though, have experienced that reality with sin. See, sin comes in, knocks on our door, and we just open up the door, and we're like, well, come on in. Or for some of us, we actually do want to fight it, and so we're like, hey, don't, hey, no more temptation. I'm not going to think about the temptation. Just stop thinking about the billboard. Stop thinking about the billboard. <clears throat> and what do you find happening? You're, you're, whatever you focus on grows bigger and stronger in your life. And so what ends up happening is here is this temptation that begins to grow and expand in your life and eventually becomes so big you just end up giving into it. What if the secret to not giving into sin is to focus your mind on something better? Isn't it fascinating for the last minute you have not once thought of a pink elephant? Why? Because hopefully you've had something better to think about. So what if the reality was, as you're driving down the road and you, and you see this billboard that shouldn't be there, rather than saying, hey, don't think about the billboard, don't think about the billboard, what if you would turn your gaze upon something that is greater? What if you would put your mind upon Jesus and say, Jesus, would you grow in my mind? Would you expand in my life? Would you just, which is why memorizing scripture is so helpful, because you can begin to set your mind on the word of God and just begin to just quote, quote scripture. And, and you, you probably heard me pray countless times already, Lord, would you capture me and captivate me? I pray that all the time. Lord, would you just capture my attention? In the midst of capturing my attention, would you so captivate me with who you are that I just, I don't want to see anything else outside of you. Hey, will you just grow bigger and stronger in my life? And will you just expand? And would you just... There's that old story about uh, this Indian chief and, and he had a, had a wolf and he had a big dog. And you've heard this story. But uh, one of the, one of the, Guys comes up to him and says, hey, if you were to put them in a battle, a fight against each other, who would win? Would, would it be the wolf or would it be the big dog? And the Indian chief smiles and says, I'll tell you which one would win. Whichever one I feed. That, that's a true reality in your life. Whatever you are feeding, whatever you are focused upon, whatever you are meditating upon is going to grow bigger and stronger in your life. So what if we quit focusing on the sin and I understand we've got to deal with sin. Hey, we've got to walk in obedience. I, I, I get that. But when temptation shows up and begins to knock on your door, what if you would allow, hey, close the door, let Jesus handle that, and why don't you turn your affections, your mind, upon the Lord Jesus Christ? So bring all that into our passage. Think about what Paul's saying. He says, hey, I, I want to set up some boundaries for your life. And within those boundaries, you can do absolutely whatever you want. In fact, have as much of this as you want. 
But my desire, says Paul, is not just that you would have a mind, not just that you would begin to think a few new thoughts, but that this mind would now be filled up with the things of Jesus Christ, that it would begin to press out everything else, that this would grow bigger and stronger in your life. Because we want him to grow bigger and stronger in our life. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. Get this. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Are you doing that? Are you examining every thought that comes into your mind through this list? And if it's not true, if it's not honorable, if it's not pure, if it's not upworthy, uh, up, whatever the word I just was lost, uh, excellent and praiseworthy, you, you, you kick it out. Do you do that? Do you take every thought captive or is your mind just an open gateway for whatever to come in? Would you, like 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? If you just go back a page, Philippians 2.5 says this, and I'm going to end with this. Philippians 2.5, which Paul is hearkening back to, says, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Some say attitude, some translations. But the word there is the Greek word phroneo. And it's interesting, the word phroneo isn't just a mind. It's not just an attitude. It's an entire orientation of living. It's the glasses you wear. It's, it's the focus of your life. And what Paul is saying is the same thing he's saying in Philippians 4, 8. Hey, fill up your mind that it would actually change the course of your life, that it would change your actions, it would change your language, it would change all that you'd think and do and say. Well, what is this supposed to look like? Jesus? Hey, have that same mind, attitude, orientation of Jesus. Don't you want that? Let's pray. Lord, uh, Lord, we are desperate this morning to have your mind and Lord, we don't want just your thought process. We want the whole orientation of living. And Lord, as Paul commands us, we are to be thinking, filling up our minds, dwelling, meditating, reckoning, considering, examining, pondering Jesus. Lord, would you enable us to take every thought captive to the, to, to the obedience of you? Lord, don't let us just have an open door to every thought that wants to, to barge its way in. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would seal up the doors of our hearts and our minds, that you, our peace, would guard our hearts and our minds. And in so doing, Jesus, I pray that every thought would be taken captive to the obedience of you. Lord, would you align our thinking with you? Lord, don't let us just esteem good thoughts. Don't let us just have a renewed mind. Lord, we want a renewed life. We want a renewed language of how we talk. And Lord, we understand that thinking drives emotions. and We understand that thinking affects our actions. So Lord, will you change our minds? Would you renew our minds, transform our minds? That it would transform our lives. And Lord, would you so fill up in our minds the things of you that it would just begin to press out everything that is not of you. 
So Lord, we just surrender and freshly consecrate our hearts and our minds to you today. And Lord, I pray that as we're walking throughout this day, if, if, if the thoughts come and begin to, to knock on our brains, Lord, we would only feed, we'd only entertain, we'd only meditate upon those that draw us closer to you. Lord, we do love you. Thank you for what you're doing in these days. Wow, thank you that we can have a new heart and a, mind, a new mind in you. Love you, Jesus. We just give you the praise and the glory in your precious, powerful name we pray. Amen.